0: Welcome back, Jolted Indian Podcast listeners. This is Anju. Miranda. And Pooja. We have been talking about Mira Nair's Monsoon Wedding for ages, it feels like, which is one of my favorite movies, and also, I think, one of Pooja's favorite movies.
1: I don't have favorite movies, and this is
0: in my figurative top ten. Right. But Miranda had never seen it, so we finally strapped her ass down and made her watch it. They did
2: not strap my ass (laughs) down. I would have watched it, but it's definitely a movie I have not seen nor in my upbringing did I feel inclined because I overall felt rejected by the Indian community. So it's really interesting to watch this movie now that I'm embracing my culture a lot more.
1: So we didn't realize how many Mira Nair movies that we've all seen collectively, and how much she may have influenced our movie watching unwittingly. I think so. I think it was probably
0: witting. <laughs> like she was, <laughs> she was kind of the preeminent Indian director of our youth so it's not like there were a lot of them.
1: Yeah I mean in the late 90s early 2000s there was Garinda, right? Elsa out of London.
2: Mm-hmm. She was definitely a household name for me. I, my parents watched some of her movies. I don't think I understood what was going on because I was little. I do have memories of them watching Mississippi Masala it was on HBO if y'all remember HBO back in the day you know I don't know what your family's movie watching traditions were, but the kids were put to sleep and then the parents enjoyed watching a movie. So I remember there would be a few times I would sneak out to see what they're watching. And I remember sneaking out, seeing them watching Mississippi Masala, because I think Indians rally around for their people when it comes to Hollywood and whatnot if y'all remember what happened with uh, Slumdog Millionaire they won an Oscar we won an Oscar that's kind (laughs) of how it is so she was definitely a household name in the 90s uh, definitely in the 2000s so definitely cool to see this in fact I'm so glad I watched it now instead of when I was jaded So one of the things
1: I love about Mira is Mississippi Masala, and that's one of the films I have a weird relationship with. When I was in seventh grade, um, I had a crush on a young gentleman who was, is, he didn't change his race, he is (laughs) black, and so uh, my Schoolmates always reference that movie that um, I had Jungle Fever because that's also a contemporary of Mississippi Masala in the cinematic uh, time-space Jungle Fever. Also that I I was Mississippi Masala. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, I also love, the reason I love that movie is because it's one of the few and one of the earliest examples of an interracial relationship that isn't rooted in whiteness. Mm. So Mira did that in the 90s but her first movie was in 1989 Salam Bombay I have not seen it
0: I haven't either
2: neither have I movie time although
0: to be clear she had done four documentaries by the time she even did Salaam Bombay so she actually comes from a documentary background first which I didn't know until we were doing the research for this literally five minutes ago <laughs>
2: Even though I knew the name of Miranair, my first movie that I think I watched in total was The Namesake. First of all, and this is how most Indian things come to me, my white friends were all asking me if I had seen The Namesake. Miranda, have you seen The Namesake? Miranda, have you seen The Namesake? And uh, all I knew was that um, Kumar from Harold and Kumar was in the movie so that I was intrigued and so I went I identified with that a lot especially the way Cal Penn's character is in the beginning of the movie so she is definitely one of our sheroes in life because she gets the nuance of our experience just down and she has quite the resume quite the accolades she was nominated for an oscar nominated for a best foreign film award for salam bombay so she is a freaking boss we have some sad but happy news if you recall from our first season us shitting on harry potter for <laughs> the goblet of fire we found out that mira nair turned down the opportunity to direct Goblet of Fire.
0: If you guys could have seen the rage on Miranda <laughs> and Pooja's face upon reading this, like
1: that, the, the Yule ball. <laughs> like they asked a goddamn Indian. We got mad and thought they didn't. They asked an Indian. <laughs> and she couldn't do it. And the reason she couldn't do it was because of the namesake. She had just started recording that one. And as her son put it, when she had to make the choice, he said, "Mummy, anybody can direct Harry Potter, but only you can direct the namesake. How I'm,
0: I'm freaking al- great is that? I'm, I'm
1: almost positive that she's
0: raised her child in America, so I don't know why he has a British accent. <laughs> I
2: am very confused as to why he has <laughs> a, a British accent as well. But, but I love I it. I think she went Harry Potter with it. Me? So I, I think it's super um, Amazing that she said, no, it's super important. That yeah, I make she had the film. opportunity
0: to do this one pivotal scene for us in Harry Potter, but she did a whole freaking movie, which, frankly, I, as far as I remember, was the first American like like American movie to really do Indian people justice.
2: It's more than the film. That was the first film that uh, John Williams did not do the music for Harry Potter, and that's when the storytelling just kind of... Sh- I think she would have done great justice to the film, and I think she would have directed it into greatness. Oh, but, absolutely. But but we got the namesake and we are and we are bitter, but we are also like no Auntie did us right. <laughs> she
1: did. I want to go back to talking about the namesake and I remember watching it in the movie theater and I had a different reaction and it's kind of now that Black Panther's out, kind of in the same vein, like being keenly aware that this was made for us by us. In the sense that here's an Indian woman getting to tell a story written by an Indian woman because it's based off Jumpa Lahiri's book The Namesake helmed by Indian actors and it was just I remember being so excited forgetting that the book is so depressing
0: (laughs) I actually hadn't read the book um, but my sister and I took our mom to go see that movie in theaters together and I remember all three of us bawling like just leaning on my mom and bawling throughout the end of that movie
1: oh my god it's one of those like the book itself the book itself is just about being alone and as an immigrant and just the way that Mira got that to translate on film from the book because Jumpa's book, Jimpa's prose, is just really, really good at evoking that, that isolation and that need to want to be a part of something and just watching it play out for the parents but also watching her direct Cal Penn just... Indian people telling Indian stories. Yes.
2: Yeah, and you know what? The namesake was ahead of me as far as developing as a human being. So I think it was important that I watched it and that it sat and simmered in my brain as I grew up as a human being because I think I could go back and watch that. I think I could go back and watch anything Mira Nair makes with like a different appreciation. But I think if I go back and watch the namesake, I'm going to probably get in the fetal position and cry a lot more this time for certain i can't watch it again yeah
1: i'm never watching it again it's (laughs) your your dad dies in it guess who's two years (laughs) off that boat i'm not watching that again and he he
0: physically like the dad in that movie physically reminded me of my father which makes it even harder like never again
2: (laughs) about the father you know i have i've had conflicts with my parents and you know a lot of people have this this time where they're not really close to their parents they're you know they've created space to protect themselves. And I've I've been in that I've been in that place and I think I'm past that place. And I was even at lunch with my parents a couple weeks ago and my first thought was after he told me this news, he said, um, a person in our church, their these girls, their father died, and he was like a church leader. And my very, very first thought was I don't want you to die I you and I are just now rebuilding our connection and I don't want that so I'm pretty sure it's gonna wreck me like regardless um, but that's the thing is like I think that's what happens and I don't think and I'm not gonna be apologetic about this when all you ever watch is white stories white films Every once in a while, another culturist film, but you don't see yourself and you don't see your own stories and you don't see... You're having to have everything be a metaphor for you versus the literal experience. It does get you and I think it does wreck you in a different way. And I just don't think white people know that. It being in America, they've had... Their stories are normal. It's, they don't have an equivalent experience. They can't. I think many of them are aware of that, but I think many of them are not about how important somebody like Mira and I are making a film, exactly how important that is.
1: I I think it's really important to talk about that in the context of one of her films that I remember going to see in the theater, Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair is based off of William Makepeace Thackeray's classic by the same name, uh, Vanity (laughs) Fair. But I think one of the points I want to bring up here, Miranda, is what you're saying is that Mira brings a very... Indian perspective to everything right it's imbued in everything and one of the things I was thinking about while you were talking just now was about daddy daughter angst in a American movie versus an Indian movie like it comes with that extra layer of okay yes your daddy gives you away on your wedding day but also like there's a dowry involved (laughs) and there's that whole the abruptness of the end of that daddy daughter relationship is severed at marriage. And it's like, you know, culturally, like if it's retained afterwards, you're seen as spoiled, you know, like you're, you're supposed to be apart from your, your family after that. And if you think about William make peace, Therakry's vanity fair and the concept of social climbing via marriage, like who else than an Indian director could be used to bring a perspective unique to that story.
2: Can we talk about Mira Nair's ability to bring out the horrors of the patriarchy and she, okay. She was born in 1957. How woke is this woman? Like how ahead of everything else is she? She's not just a director, but she is very much a a steward for cultural change in our opinion she is through storytelling creating changes story is the greatest catalyst for change so it's like she knew she had that power and she welded that power and she had the audacity to go about it i cannot wait to watch vanity fair i have not watched it yet but even then even when it comes to um love or romance like she directed a segment of uh new york i love you Natalie Portman and Irfan Khan are these two characters in the city. New York is a melting pot of different cultures, and what's interesting about cultures coming over to America is, and what people who have been here, uh, people who are descendants of colonists, what they may not understand is that cultures hold their ground no matter where they go. They do get affected about you know by their surroundings, but. I had no you know in when I was growing up as a child, there was Indian culture and there was American culture and where I went to church it was straight up Indian culture there were no American elements to it inside the building it was straight up India aside from us being geographically in India and what uh, Natalie Portman was saying that was so interesting about being able to get to work with Mary is she was being called to her culture because Natalie Portman is Jewish and she was talking about, you know, in the story, I don't I don't want to ruin it too much, but uh, there's a romance between this Hasidic Jew and Jane Diamond Seller, who is played by Irfan. And what Natalie Portman was saying was interesting about doing these scenes, uh, it reminded her about how her Jewish uncle or father, one of her relatives, you know, was a Hasidic Jew, but could speak Mandarin because he worked with Chinese people in whatever district he did business in. So it's, you know, Mira brings that to her storytelling, the blending of cultures, but also allowing everyone to see the beauty of those cultures at the exact same time. She gets that intersection absolutely right. So I finally got to watch Monsoon Wedding with Anju and Puja. They are so excited, they're clapping. And I loved it. And the whole time we were watching it, of course, uh we had commentary going the entire time, and it just makes me sad that I didn't have two Indian girlfriends at my side watching every film about India.
0: It makes me sad we weren't recording it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Listeners, at some point, we're going to offer an Omaze prize for fundraising. Because watching a movie with these two women, I had chortles that were so fucking loud, just laughing my ass off with our comment. I mean, Mystery Science Theater 3000 Indian style, basically, (laughs) is what it was. Jilted Indian style. But this is a very Indian story. It's a Punjabi wedding. And... Makes Christian weddings look boring as fuck. So boring! Thank God our weddings are so boring. I've played so many Christian style or Christian weddings in my life. Attended so many, and I'm sorry, but this wedding makes our weddings look so seriously. Every
0: every time I've watched this movie, I have deeply regretted the fact that my I come from a Christian family. Like why?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now I will say that I've been to Christian weddings in India, and that's better. Better But Like American weddings Y'all are vanilla It's vanilla
1: As somebody who comes From the background Of the weddings Portrayed here It It looks fun Don't it But it's so much work And it's (laughs) Oh I think the movie Depicts that pretty well Yeah Oh, no, it does not. <laughs> it does not. Um, that's, it's one of the reasons I love cooking so much is because of Indian weddings and going to my aunt's weddings in Guyana. Just all the women from the village coming in in shifts to cut vegetables, then go home and get ready. And others coming to cook the vegetables, then go home and get ready. And these same women will be out here partying all night long without alcohol like I just love Indian weddings, but I hate marriage so much, and I hate, I hate bad about me.
2: <laughs> I will say this, that when you host a party, uh, the hosts never actually enjoy the party. It's the party goers that enjoy the party. So it's very interesting that Indian weddings, it's not just like one host that's miserable. It's everyone that's a little bit miserable because everyone has to contribute in some small way. And this story has... Intersected so many different themes that go on behind an Indian wedding. And what's the first thing I have to say is I'm sitting here watching a film where they are speaking Hindi, and the cognitive dissonance for me is watching a Hindi film where Indian people are kissing or people are cussing, and um, there are, you know, they're telling a story about sexual assault. They're telling stories about not believing survivors or victims. Um, all of the things that you would have veiled or covered or straight up censored, they talk about censorship in the very beginning of the film. And that was not lost on me whatsoever. I don't think anything that Mary Nair does is an accident. It, seem, it could seem casual to somebody who doesn't understand, but these are things that are absolutely not blatant in Bollywood films. And back in the nineties, eighties, this definitely was not something You would see in a film like this So what is the equivalent Of Clutch Your Pearls you know <laughs> Clutch Walla. you know well, what I mean
0: I also think
2: films featuring Indian people yeah, had absolutely. not Been done like this and So the dissonance for me was My being an American Not having watched tons of Bollywood Films watching a Bollywood Film where two Unmarried people are you know uh making out you know weirdos next to (laughs) next to your cousin come on like or like an married man cheating on his wife with a woman getting caught you know things like that it's amazing to me that I was seeing that played out in a strictly Indian film true And, and it was so cool to me just to throw it in there that there was that one white friend because you know it's always that one black friend in, in majorly white films Or that one Indian friend Or that one Asian representation Of you know one Asian person in the film For once I'm seeing it the opposite way around And it uh, is reminiscent Of when Glamour magazine Put all those role reversal pictures up Of like the um, right. Blonde white child In a, an aisle of black dolls And brown dolls It was kind of like that It was very interesting to see what that could have been like for somebody on the opposite end, if that was the only thing they ever saw, like what would that even be like? I can barely conceive it. But go
1: on. I love this movie. Like I said, it's in my figurative top 10, even though it's, I don't know what else is in it. But um, I love this movie because of the time it came out, like 2001. I feel like for the culture specifically, this movie was made for quote-unquote NRIs, non-resident Indians, or diasporic Indians, or anybody who's ever had to go home for a family wedding. Like, I think that's the perspective. Like, you're just, you know, Anji, you mentioned earlier about how Mira comes from that documentary background and it looks like you're just, you you know, nothing's explained. You're just dropped right into the middle of this documentary film that is a family wedding. And the thing I like about it and the time period it's in, it makes me think of family weddings that I had to go home to or family weddings that we didn't have to go home to. The first set that have been happening in America, but we all travel to home base for it, right? So it's just so quintessentially early, 2000s late 90s when our generation would be experiencing that and so that the uniformity universality the connectiveness of that experience is one of the reasons I love the film and also pretty indian boys oh, yeah. <laughs> yes
2: Um, Especially at the end. Good Lord.
1: Right? Um,
2: So I I do want to mention that this movie is intersectional. Brings in stories of a boy who is interested in dance, singing, wants to be a cook. And it covers toxic masculinity about how someone is so insecure with themselves that they can't handle a man breaking free from the toxic masculine fold. It talks about... How I mean, I think it very well portrays the jail of the patriarchy for women so much that you can't even escape the most toxic situation of all when a man you're married to is sexually abusing children, like and minimizing victim stories because you can't escape the jail you've you know, you can't escape what you signed for. Um I think that she she touched on those stories very well. Several times when we were watching this film Pooja would be screaming out Oh my god that's so Indian Like (laughs) she would be saying that And then I would at some point go Oh my god that is so Indian (laughs) And then uh, Anju would be like You know like (laughs) (laughs) That is so typical You know and I think that's what's so important About representative film It's it's being being able to see What What's familiar To you and Instead of having films uh representational films that are kind of an exaggeration of another eye's view of our culture okay so now we would like to talk about the little things there were so many amazing little things about this film that i think need to be treasured we all think needs to be treasured
1: Pooja, you want to go first I do want to go first. I think this is one of the first. This movie came out when I was about 21. And in my family, in my diaspora, at least my mom's generation, didn't drink. The women in our family did not drink. And it wasn't until this movie came out and we ventured out that I saw women of the Caribbean, uh, with Caribbean backgrounds who drink. And now that sounds stupid because that's like duh but but I feel I remember that's one of the little things was showing women partaking in Indian women partaking in personal vices that had nothing to do with the benefit of anybody around them smoking drinking nice hair a fucking affair like you know dubbing porn it's it was just you Mm, know that's a bad example well the dubbing porn thing like what bollywood movie do you see that in it exists no
0: i i don't disagree with that but i don't like that scene because it's so obvious that the dubist is so uncomfortable like it's it's done to mock like to Put her in an uncomfortable position and laugh at her. And I hate that.
1: Yeah, I got that a lot. The first time I remember watching it just cringing. But that could also be because my mom was sitting right there. <laughs> but now as an adult, I was just like, oh, I want to own that fucking shit. I would have moaned and thrown my no, head back. Like, you,
0: sure, absolutely. People could have, but she didn't. So it was done to make her uncomfortable. And that's what I hate about it.
2: Yeah. Can we talk about the relationship between uh, the bride, Aditi, and her cousin Rhea who Ria lived in the house with her so for all intents and purposes a sister right so also know,
0: did your parents not tell you this but my parents used to always say cousin sister and cousin brother so they are equivalent to siblings <laughs> regardless yeah
2: <laughs> Rhea is darker skinned her hair is bomb like her hair is amazing darker skinned dark features and and dark eyes dark eyes and a little bit Thicker. I don't know. I identified with her so much. I'm oh. just like I feel like you're me. Um, and so me too. I, I'm I'm a little chubby. I feel like I see you myself and you. <laughs> so now, um, her sister or her her cousin is light skinned, wearing lighter contacts. Hair is brown. Uh, I don't know if that's natural or not. Um, some people it is. For some people it's not, and they color it uh, or it's highlighted. But I remember somebody who looked like Aditi was you know, that was the hot girl back in the day. Like that would be the girl all the guys want. That would be the girl that all the guys think are pretty. That would be the girl that everybody, you know, kind of crowds around and says, Oh, look at her beauty. And plus there's that whole colorism issue in India to consider.
0: And you see that in the movie too.
2: Yes. And so I thought it was, I think if I saw this when I was younger, I would have probably looked at Aditi and hated myself immediately. (laughs) I'm an older woman now and I love the fuck out of myself a lot more and you know now I I see Rhea and I I pay more attention to her story I don't know I don't know how I would have taken Rhea's story back in you know 20 years ago almost you know uh, even
0: watching it back then I was all about Rhea she's always my been my favorite character
2: mm, cool I would have definitely. Also, she identified. falls asleep
0: reading poetry. Not that I, I was always more prose than poetry, but yeah. uh, and she wants to be a creative writer, so I already instantly identified with her.
2: I saw her sleeping with a book next to her head, and I was like, "Sister!" <laughs> immediately,
1: I do love that relationship between the cousin sisters. There, it's it's something definitely I think is diasporic. I'm It's something that's definitely I think diasporic and one of the other things that I loved about this movie is the fashion and something that goes to all of Mira's movies in particular is the use of fabric and texture and I mean what other plush wonderfulness are you going to get and color and color are you going to get then an Indian movie and I think like I would want at a wedding. At a wedding. I would watch this movie again just to flesh out the metaphors of the fabric Color and texture, waterproofing and red of the tent versus white and not waterproofing of the original thing, of the saris that were collected since Aditi was born, Of and you see them worn on women in the film, of the textures that the women of different stations in life are wearing in their outfits, of the colors and just the mutedness at nighttime versus the boldness you know, I just... Everything about those movies are wonderful.
2: <laughs> Can I just say that we handle rain like bitches in America? We are such little bitches. Uh, and Anju and I traveled here in pouring rain today. Yep. You know, my circuitry here to Pooja's apartment. I don't want it to get drenched. And I don't want my shoes to get wet. In Monsoon Wedding, they don't give a fuck about anything. Like, she has this montage where she shows people handling the Multiple. rain. Multiple. I think they were like yes. throughout the movie. And throughout the movie and like it's
1: monsoon season.
2: That's right and I always go to India during monsoon season whenever I go to India and so I remember and I mean I'm I'm instantly thinking of the smells of the, the water you know sounds of the water hitting the trees and the leaves and the smell that comes after that is just like ugh, oh, it's wonderful plush like As far as the greenery is concerned, I'm escaping what bitches we are in America, but we are (laughs) bitches. You walk down the street. She has this scene where this man is walking down the street and his shoes are full of water. He barely stops walking. He just lifts his foot, lets the water empty out, and he takes another step. Like he kept walking while emptying out his shoe. I was just like, I'm afraid to leave my apartment this morning. My shoes are going to get wet. This guy is like, so... I'm still walking and like they're in, they're having the wedding in the rain. Like for real, the the family bringing the groom was drenched. The family of the bride, the dad's like, get out there. Let's go get him. And so the family of the bride comes and gets the groom and they get drenched. Everybody's drenched. And they're like, we don't give a fuck. This is how things are. And I, I, the whole time I was just like, wow, (laughs) we are, we are so wimpy about the rain here but that's probably why we get sick and shit because we just don't let ourselves get drenched a little i don't know americans we can't handle anything speaking of the rain and the scenery can we talk about the scenery it took me back oh yeah big time like seeing the marketplace the minute i saw the marketplace when the women were going to get the sorry i remember The sweat uh, Even just getting rained on As you're trying to go into the fabric uh, Whether you were going in to buy fabric Or going to get your sari blouse um, Tailored Measured measured or your body measured for a sari blouse Or whatever it is No one can ever forget What it feels like to walk into an air conditioned Sari store Like heaven And you wanted to shop For the rest of the day (sighs) Because it was air conditioned. But
0: I mean, we live in Texas. It's not like we don't experience that every summer.
2: That's true. However, we it's more normal that people crank the AC in Texas and in India. It's just not everywhere. Right. And so I'm um, I mean, just like, oh, thank God. Yeah, this they- store is air conditioned. <laughs> For Americans going into it. And it was so funny. and The woman's like, thank God it's air conditioned. I'm like, yeah preach yes that's exactly how i thought and you know the just the chaotic nature of it was so i I just have a different attitude about it the chaotic nature of a marketplace or just like how lively it is um posters everywhere i i just think that she doesn't you know she's this this juxtaposes what india does now for when diplomats come over and they get rid of the poor and, you know, they try to clean up the city just for, you know, like with the Trump's going over to India, what India does and tries to pretend what they are. It's nice to see an actual representation of what you'll see when you go over to the country.
0: Well, and that's where I think Mira's documentary background really shows is, is that she, she made a point of showing those kinds of scenes and she made a point of of showing every kind of class and how everybody's experiences are different she, and, and we were talking about all the, the intersectional little things that she does like i just i love the fact that she just sort of plops you down like you're just a guest and you're just watching this wedding and she doesn't explain how anybody's related to anybody she doesn't like there's little stuff like alice the the maid is christian and and dubai her love interest or whatever is hindu like none of that is explained you, you don't get any like why she's dressing up like, none of that is explained. You just get to watch it because this is how people are. This is, how pe- this is what people do.
1: And you're supposed to call on your internal cultural knowledge to understand those things. Like, you can tell the difference between a Mongol Sutra versus a Rosary if you're Indian and you've paid attention your entire life. You know, it's like little things like that, which is great. And you can call... Um, going back to her body of work, she does that in all her films. If you want to think about Queen of Katwe and the different levels of society, she shows you of Uganda there from the most indigent, illiterate as the stars of the movie, you know, juxtaposed to being involved in more educated circles and, and what people look like in, in that realm. And then you look at also from the namesake in that perspective and showing American middle class brown american middle class which is still not shown in american versions of brown america and then you look at uh mississippi masala she did wonderful things showing kampala in that movie and then mississippi itself going from luxurious childhood which i that's one of the reasons i love that movie luxurious tropical childhood to we in apartment where now Mm -hmm. and you know so i think you know just work becoming hard-working immigrants versus being on top of something like her stra- her her showing the stratosphere of her subject matter is I think a theme of hers and so you see it a lot in monsoon wedding and I think I like it a lot because I have a lot of points of reference in that entire movie
2: I love how you brought up class because I love how they said screw it servant come dance with us and they they let uh Dubé and uh, Alice, uh, Alice, and I love the way he says her name, uh, Alice uh, come and join in the dance because they just got married, and it wasn't like our upper-class wedding, you're not allowed here. They were like, come over, come celebrate with us, and that's a thing that happened. Some people don't give a fuck about class. So uh, people are people, and I think that it was awesome to see her not give a fuck like that and showing the beauty of those love stories at the same time on an adjacent level. um, I just felt like uh, Dubay falling in love with Alice was so, you know, he was letting his insecurities go and he was just becoming a different man himself. And I saw that love as way more pure then the messy shit that was happening in the upper class. I just thought that was really interesting that she put both of those love stories in there. And then there's the uh, people from Australia and the Americans and what love is like for those people in those cultures versus what the rules are in India. I think that it's so awesome that she brought in all the diaspora
1: The movie is just very lustful and loveful. Like, if you want to compare, every single male-female relationship in the movie is based in either lust or love. You have the main couple who falls in love over the course of a chai date and then decide to give it a go, which is so Indian in itself. You know, like, I traveled all the way from Houston to Indiana. I said I was going to get married. Best come back with a wife. And so... (laughs) well i also really like what he says about like
0: what difference does it make if we meet in a nightclub or if our parents introduce us like and that's kind of a valid point really like it doesn't doesn't really matter how a relationship starts because the work
1: is kind of the same right and and then you look at alice and dubai and then you look at the parents themselves like there was a scene where the mom pimmy goes up to the dad and tries to get it in one morning. He's like, no, not on the eve of our daughter's wedding. Like, he's the godfather. And then, you know, then later he crawls into bed with her, seeking her bed as comfort, you know? So it's like there's there's a reference to it and a callback to it in the entire movie. And one of the things I love about this movie, and you could only do it every Indian person I'm speaking to right now, you understand in an Indian movie about a wedding or even your own home movies about how much the bride cries when she has to leave daddy's house at the wedding. Like there's big scenes about it and songs. I songs and even like, there's I remember, a song in the movie about it, you know? And I remember at a family wedding, like everybody looking at each other, the crocodile tears, being shed because we were just like, but you live four blocks from your dad. That's where you're moving. So, but it's the rite of passage, right? To cry like the bride is, is going away in that car, leaving the sanctuary of her parents' house and crying. And what does Mira do in this movie? You don't see that scene, mm-hmm. even though the daughter's going to move continents away. You don't get that. You get the adopted in daughter leaving because she doesn't believe She has a family there to stand up for her. And just like the dad is the one crying that she's leaving. And the dad goes back to bring her home. Like that's turning a trope on its head. And you can only get that from an Indian woman telling an Indian story. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love it.
2: Yes, I thought that was amazing how she did that. There's obviously tons of detail that went into this movie for her to bring that sort of thing up. She... I mean, she spits in the face of all these things that women are not supposed to do. Women are not supposed to, you know, be intimate with men before they're married. Women are not supposed to smoke. Women are not supposed to have tattoos. Um, Men are not supposed to be into dance and singing and uh, take up non-typical male careers. Um, There were so many... She spits in the face of all of the... uh, good Lord uh, misogyny based, you know, shame based gender norms. And this is, you know, India's still got a long way to go as far as growing in these particular areas. But I think that because she put that in the story, it makes me way, way more aware of who is growing over there and that it may not be the face in the news or the face in what other other representational forms we've had, but that it exists there. My sister-in-law moved over here for my brother, and she travels back to India all the time. or Her sister comes over here, um, but I just can't imagine. I can't imagine leaving your entire family that you're so very close to just to go get married and Stay with your husband that you love you know
0: And that's so interesting because it's addressed in the movie too And I, I love the fact that it's the groom Hemanth, who is worried about that For the bride who uh, who was not thought about it at all Who just is like oh it's fine it's gonna be fine And he's like no but like you're really close to your family Are you sure you're gonna be okay With going to the other side of the
2: globe <laughs> Yeah he was the one who was Actually hurt for her Which was crazy to me um, That there's a man who's actually concerned for a woman's well-being in a union that benefits him more than her. But
1: that goes to the immig- the immigrantness of the story. Like, as a woman in India, you, if you're going to marry a man American, like it, you're expected to be okay. You knew at some point. You're emigrating, whereas in America, as the child of an immigrant, you're made very aware of how important it is for familial bonds to remain familial bonds in a foreign land. And so I feel like that reaction in itself is very diasporic and very Indian. You know, it's like he would care about that because he was raised to care about that. And she wouldn't necessarily not care, but it's an expectation that, oh, the woman moves. I was having to move anyway, you know. I just got done watching on Netflix love by square foot and in it um the woman it's watch it at your own risk (laughs) listeners um but in it like it's nonchalantly talked about that the bride's mother would move to canada with her brother once the bride gets married and and i'm just like but your mama's leaving the country. Like you stay, your mama's leaving and you stay And what mama's leaving. You just getting married. Your mama's leaving. Like, I just, <laughs> I couldn't, I can't, I don't understand that. Like, you know, just the juxtaposition of, of that, you know, like
2: of the mom getting uprooted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of, of, but in its sense, like nobody bats an eye at immigrating. Nobody bats an eye. Cause it's a, it's, it's a way of life if you're Brown. Mm hmm.
2: Yes. yeah okay so we like back to us being bitches over in america how many americans truly would up and drop everything to go live in another country like it was nothing with nobody there that you know you don't know the language for the i mean what well, indians have the advantage of at least knowing english but not knowing anyone taking a giant huge risk that's not the american way that uh, that's the immigrant way that's every other country Well, because on this planet. you have
0: to come from a place where you desperately need opportunities that are not available to you to think that that's normal you know it's like to be willing to take that risk
2: right we are so privileged over here and it you know i'm not going to say that there aren't people over here that leave and go to other countries because there are um shamila who you heard on two of our previous episodes her brother actually has a podcast uh, where he talks about being an expatriate and now being in Spain. There are people that do that, but I, I just don't think that it's normal here. Colonization is the thing here. That's what we do here. So, um, we, well, we love Mira. We
0: the, lo- I, the other thing I wanted to talk about that I really love in this movie is the dad. And I it's it's a running theme throughout the movie about how he is such a fucking asshole to all the boys but he is so sweet to the girls and it's such an interesting juxtaposition because you have to love him for how great he is with the girls but he's such a dick to the boys
2: i think that ends up serving him in the end when he had to make a decision for his uh niece Rhea. right i think that um Something that's super important About this film is You can't blame Rhea For being a misandrist And for not giving a fuck About getting married And putting her career first And Andrew you were saying I want to see the spinoff Of Rhea's story I so want to see the sequel Yeah Mira get We need you to get on that (laughs) I've been waiting
0: 18 or 17 years for the sequel to this movie. I just want to see Rhea move to America and get her degree and probably hook up with the super hot guy from the end of the movie.
2: Yeah. Oh. I
1: just want to see her hooking up with hot guy after hot guy after hot guy. She's like Gion roti hot.
2: <laughs> she deserves that justice, I think we all agree. I think what's really neat about the father story is the having to choose family over money because truth be told you know um, money there's a quote that says if you want to know what god thinks about money look at the people he gave it to (laughs) and he's having to choose and 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 money is often a determiner you know a determining factor for how much of a man you are in, in toxic masculinity like in toxic gender norms and so he's having to choose the comfort of having financial security from this head of the family who is sexually abusing children in the family, Uh, sexually abusing children. He's having to choose, you know, between that, him being married to his sister.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's about financial security with that relationship. I think it's about the bonds of family and also feeling so indebted to that guy because of everything he had done for that. Because I think, I think for him it's a choice between family and family.
2: I think that it also has to do with finance because you know he wouldn't have been able to do it on his own right and so yeah. I think that's that does play a part in it but it's it,
0: not it's not about future finance as I mean as much like a little bit because like the
2: it's about what you did in the past yeah what you it's did about the that fact that
0: I wouldn't have the life I have now if not for you right. you've done all of this
1: for me but right. also you've done terrible things right like and I, how do I reconcile that I
2: need you to step
1: And how do you, I mean, going outside the bounds of the movie and the character's motivation, but, like, how do you reconcile the fact that good things that came from him and the money and and the opportunity came because possibly of his guilty conscience for molesting your adopted daughter?
2: Right. There are definitely themes, and I said this while we were watching, and I said, this is a theme of selling the daughter. Like... It's it's the jail of the patriarchy. That's that's one hundred percent the jail of the patriarchy. The the I agree with the, that. The sister was saying, um, for this little thing, you know, because right. when he was trying to kick the the sexual abuser out of his home, when the you the elders were blessing the bride, he was like, "I need you to go," and he was like Pete, like holding his hands in peace, "I need you to go," and the sister's like, "For a little thing," she's it, so fascinating, to me. and every woman is like the fuck are you in the sunken place like she is though she is in the sunken place she's in the india what is it called puja the uh patanking place (laughs) and so like it oh my god she's lost come I back feel, i feel i I mean she's
0: awful but i also kind of feel sorry for her watching that movie like when ria first confronts them and she's she's there saying she's lying she's lying but then the second ria leaves she turns around and you see her the look she's giving her husband and she fucking knows she's not lying right but she has to say that because she has no other options but to believe But to try and preserve her her position because she can't leave. She's trapped. It's just the worst. Right. So
2: what she's saying is not she's lying. What she's saying is, I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared. I don't have any other options. This is all I have.
0: And she ultimately ends up losing her family because of her gross
1: ass husband who she is tied to in my version of the sequel where Rhea, after like affair after affair of hot single indian man finally settles down with umang we find out that auntie like took him for all his money like she only stayed with him to make sure he would not call in debts from her family and then she cleaned his house and took everything that's how i rewrote it
2: and in the background will be blue cantrell singing hit em up style <laughs> hey ladies <laughs> you know uh, you know what i mean <laughs> yes 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 just go back and hit him up style style. yeah that that would be basically the credits the ending credits (laughs) just that would have to be the whole video of the credits just like that one auntie just and
0: her coming back to ria to fucking apologize yeah
2: oh yeah that would have to be at the that would have to be in the end for forgiveness like i think it should be a montage at the end like she says it via her apology but then just like behind the scenes her just like running a credit card or her just like fucking that guy over it would be perfect
1: yeah and the rest of the credits is just like ria oiling down umong like <laughs> <laughs> from the back to the front also to the listeners i'm
0: gonna do you a favor do not look up current pictures of the guy who plays umong you will fucking regret it don't do it
2: it's okay. People have their prime, okay.
0: He like he's doing the full Bollywood, like classic villain mustache, like hardcore. Ooh, I'm, into that. Oh, I'm so into that. <laughs> uh,
2: if you listened to our Bud Mavati episode, you know that Pooja's into it so much that I had to blurt. Uh, um, I had to censor. Well, the, the theme of censorship. Going hard here. Oh, but he's still fine, though. We're looking at his picture. He's still hot. Yeah, no. Ignore what Anju said. He's still fine. <laughs> He still looks great. Good Lord. (laughs) Squirrel. Good God. We're still looking at pictures of this guy. He's still fine. Now stop showing me pictures so I can sign us off. Okay, so uh, we encourage you to go watch as many Mira and I are films. Whether you understand it or not, start conversations with your friends, you know, with your Indian friends about it. Uh, What was this movie to you? Um, What... Did you connect within this film? I just think that it would be great for connecting with people. So get out there and see a Mira Nair film, meaning stay in your home and on Amazon Prime find a Mira Nair movie to watch. Um, there's a bunch of them that we mentioned. You can Google and find out how many uh, films have received acclaim. We have made our peace with her not doing The Goblet of Fire. I'm, I don't know that's still hard for me I'm still <laughs> I'm still sad I'm gonna cry about it later until then we want to say thank you Miranaya for everything you've done for us and everything you've done for the intersectional movement before people were even aware of it she was moving and shaking before that tell us what your favorite non-Bollywood Indian movie is Yes, we want to know what movies you've seen that you think that we would like because we love movies. And I'm telling you, watching movies with these girls is free and amazing and hilarious. Please rate us on iTunes. Uh, We need ratings on iTunes for visibility. We need reviews. And uh, we love all the conversations we have with you on our Facebook page and on Twitter and on Instagram you can find us on any several podcatchers, and it's all at Jilted Indian Pod. But the more reviews and ratings we get, the more visibility and listeners we get, and that's what we're after. We're looking for all the shitty Indians, so please help us find them. Until next time, this has been Miranda,
0: Pooja, and Anju
2: with the Jilted Indian Podcast. Come in love and courage, go in peace and power.